Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. Welcome to First City Church. Thank you for joining us online. We're going to be talking about discipleship today. I love the video because it's so, it's such a great description of what discipleship is all about. How it's just really God leading us and we are his children and we just completely submit. When he calls our name, we go running. When he takes us on adventure, even if it's something like making cookies, you know, it's just, it's messy and fun. But at the end of the day, when the little child reached up and hugged his mom, right, eating the, the, the fruit, you know, of uh, their labor, right, just eating a good cookie, and he's so delighted, he just smiles and puts his arms around his mom. That's what we're going to really be talking about today. So we're going to talk about worship today and how a disciple worships. What we've said is we want everybody to be a disciple of Christ. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. Uh, because... Being a disciple of Christ, following Jesus, is the only way to eternal life. And this was the message of Jesus. When in John, what we have recorded in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that is really our goal of the whole series, is that you would decide to be a disciple, a follower, a believer of Jesus Christ. And that you come not only to believe in him, but that you come to receive him. That not only are you convicted that his way for your life would be better than your way for your life without him. That he could bring wisdom and clarity and focus and direction and purpose for everything that you do in your life. And that by following him, it will make its way all the way to heaven. You will become a child of God. So that really is our goal. Our goal is for you to be a believer in Jesus Christ and for you to give your life to him, dedicate yourself into being a follower, a learner, a disciple of Jesus. And so we said, okay, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to make the decision, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to be a believer. I'm going to receive him. And I want to say, Lord God, I, I need you in my life. I have made a mess of my life. And anytime I run in my own direction, I think it's the right thing to do, but I come to find out, you know what? what? Boy, was that wrong. And then I submit, I repent, I confess, I say, Jesus, I need you to direct my steps and my path. And I'm nothing without you. And when you surrender, when you receive by faith, I receive him. And then I give him the reins of my life, the control of my life. And once we do that, it's like, okay, now what is that going to look like? How do I begin this new walk with God, and where is it going to lead me? So we've said there are seven traits of a disciple. Now, in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about being connected to the church and maintaining relationships and generously giving and making disciples. But this is where we've come so far. It, believe, it begins with this passion to really know Jesus. I really want to run after him with all my heart. I want to develop a, an intimate personal relationship with him. I don't want to just know about him. I don't want to know him only through other people's relationship with him. I don't want to just hear about him. I want to know him. Paul said that in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, fellowship, sharing with him in his suffering so that I can become like him, right, in his death so that I too can have resurrection. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. So, I want to know Jesus. And then as I personally get to know him, we talked about this last week, we seek truth, biblical truth. There has to be a foundation on which we base all of our decisions. And we have the word of God. God has given it to us so that we can have an instruction, a guide, 
and, and through the Holy Spirit by his leading, his guiding, and his word. We can have a foundation, not only that can explain the world around us, how we got here, why we're here, the purpose of our life, but also can become the foundation, the basis of all of your moral decisions. And so a lot of people don't have that. I mean, as we talked about last week, we live in a world and in a culture where they say there is no absolute truth. You can have your truth, I can have my truth, but you can't push yours on me and vice versa, and there is no ultimate truth. That is not truth. Right? There is a truth. It can be found. And it's found in the Word of God and it's found in God. And it's, and it's not only okay to do that, it is right to do that. And so Psalm 40 says it this way. He pulled me out of the miry clay and set me on a firm foundation. That's him, his word, after my relationship with him. And then he gave me a new song to sing, a sing of praise to him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Then it leads us into personal worship. And so we've, we're going to say it this way in this third trait. A disciple is transformed through personal worship. And so if you're going to follow Christ and you're looking for transformation, you're looking for, okay, this is where my life was and this is where I want my life to be. The gap is filled with the Holy Spirit and his leading, his following and so it's going to lead me into personal worship. Now, this is really a, a, you know, a dilemma as we start talking about personal worship. And how do we get everybody to say, okay, I, I really want to learn how to worship. Because we all worship differently, don't we? It's kind of like the way a husband loves his wife. Every husband ought to love their wives. Amen? But not all husbands love their wives the same way. There are some men who jump up and down and woohoo and stand on the back of their pickup truck and go, I love you, baby, with all my heart, right? And, and, and there are other men who just quietly and politely, right before bed, they'll whisper in their wife's ear while giving them a hug, honey, I love you with all my heart. Now, which one loves more? Well, neither. It's just different, right? And that's the way worship is. You're going to see that there are some people who jump up and down and dance and get all excited in their worship for Christ. And you're going to see others who can hardly lift their face off the ground when they're in their most intimate place of worship. But we're going to talk about how do we personally worship. So we can start by getting a glimpse of heaven. In Revelation chapter 4, as they were talking about the four living creatures around the throne of God, they said this, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, what is it about heaven? What is it about being in the presence of God? That day and night, the only thing you can get out of your mouth is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, we know that once we come face to face with God, that he says, I'm going to return. I'm going to come. I'm going to descend like a cloud in the sky. And we will see him. And he said, every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. Right? To the glory of God the Father. So there's going to be something so overwhelming when we come face to face with God that we're not going to be able to stand. We're not going to, 
there's something so overwhelming about a God who is so great, so powerful, that he created all of our universe, that he created not just our world and our stars and our sun and our moon, or even the, you know, the solar system that, that we're in, but he created down to the detail, down to the cell and the nucleus, in such detail, a God so great that when we come face to face with him, so pure that we're going to know I don't belong here. And yet the grace of God will be so overwhelming to you when he says, come, you belong to me. That the only thing out of our mouth will be, thank you, holy, holy, holy are you. Now, I saw this quote and I feel like, okay, so watch the gap. Look at this by A.W. Tozer. I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Have you heard that before where people are like, well, you know what? If heaven, if all it is is just a bunch of singing and praising God, I just, I don't know that I just, I don't know that I'll, okay. I mean, I understand, but what you're really saying is, is that your heart has not fallen deeply in love with God yet. Because when, ask any young man who is wanting to date a woman and wanting to spend all his time with her and he can't get her off his mind and he can't go to sleep at night and he can't wait to be with her and he's always thinking about what he wants to do. And he's going to tell everybody, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. Right? Once you get there, you don't have to worry about, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And this is our gap. This is, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. We're all on this journey about how can I really learn how to worship God with all my heart. Revelation 4 continued. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. He's like, there's this great worship going on in heaven. You have the throne of God and God is there. And everybody in his presence are so overwhelmed with how gracious and kind and loving and powerful he is. That it gets all of their attention. And they all worship. And I want you to notice in this verse, they all worship very differently. Every one of these words that I've highlighted in yellow, and that's my highlight, not out of the Bible, but glory, honor, thanks, falling down. These are all different postures, expressions of worship. Some are shouting. Some are giving honor. Some are giving thanks. This is just uh, one of the worship words. It's like, When someone is overwhelmed by a gift that they have received, that they go to that individual and they they want to extend a hand, they want to extend a hug, they want to say, I cannot thank you enough for what you have done for me. It is a form of worship. And so I want you to notice that there are some people giving glory is the word for hands up, hand raised, giving glory and honor to God. Some of it's shouting. And so you have some with their hands raised and they're just declaring the the honor, the glory of God. You have some who are just grateful and humble in heart. And then you have some who are bowing down on their face. One place, all these people, the 24 elders, the creatures, and then there are tens of thousands of angels. They're all worshiping God, and it all looks a little different. 
right? And so that's what often we'll see in here. Some of us feel comfortable and we're like clapping, clap your hands, which is one of the expressions we've got. And there are others who have their eyes closed or their head bowed. We've had people who will get on their knees. We've had people who have just laid out flat on the, on the carpet. You know, and it's like, is, is all of that okay? Yes, why is that okay? See, because it's just all worship. We want, what we'll say here is, it, we're not going to regulate how you worship. We only want all the focus to go to God. Right? It's not to draw attention to myself. It's just to give our full expression to God. I love our worship team. I love when Tyler's here and he can't help but just praise God. I love watching, by the way, for those of you who don't know, this was his sister Elizabeth who was standing here. So that's Tyler's sister who had joined us today for our worship. I love watching you worship. Just she can't contain herself. And so I'm like, this is so awesome. How do you express your worship to God? Revelation continues, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, and this is what they all do as one, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So our expressions can be very different, but our focus is singular. Worthy are you, O Lord. Our attention is is on God. Our focus is praise to God. And so that's the goal. That's the direction. That's what we want to do. And so Brie Lamb said this, I love the imagery painted of worship in the song I can only imagine where Bart Millard writes, will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? Right? It's just, it's a wonderful song, isn't it? And so it's like, what, what will be your posture? What will, what will be your expression? How will it show itself when you come before God? And when you realize all he's done for you, how, how will your heart express to God what he has done for you? She continues with this quote, and she said this, it's incredible to imagine what worship will be like in heaven, but if we're really honest... Worship here on earth isn't always what the Bible calls for it to be. Would you agree with that? So there's, I mean, if all I'm going to do is just talk about worship, there are different kinds of worship. There are different styles of worship. There is uh, very uh, public and corporate and private worship. This is corporate worship. We all come together. We're all singing the same song. And some are clapping and some are raising your hands. And some are singing out loud. And some are just quietly praying to God, letting the words just kind of soak in. So hopefully we're all engaged in worship. And your worship to God is your worship to God. That's between you and God. And Tyler's role, the worship team's role, is to lead you before the throne of God. Your role is to express your love for God. What did you come in here to do? What did you want to express to God today? And worship just allows you to do all of that however you choose. Right? And so, you know, what is it that we're going to, but it's not, there's a gap between what I see in heaven and where I am on earth. And so now, how do I bridge that gap? I mean, if all I'm going to do is just talk about worship, and that's the real struggle that I have today, I don't want to talk about worship somehow, I want to inspire you to fully worship. 
But if I'm just going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about, okay, here are all these different Hebrew and Greek words for worship. And you can take a picture of this if you want. You can go and study it yourself. It's pretty simple. There are really seven key words that are used for worship. There are a few others that are added, like this one about clapping. This word just, oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. You can see it in 49. You can see it in another chapter, uh, Psalm 40. You can see it in these other chapters, 47, I think. And so it's like, okay, how do I just clap my hands before the Lord? I'm just excited. I just want to, something happened that was great, and I just want to express it. It's like a little child you know, whenever uh, they get good news, hey, guess what? We're going to go to Disney World. We're going to go to the party or you're going to get, and they're like, ah! and their hands are all over the place and they're running in circles and they're all excited and you just laugh. You're just like, look at, <laughs> just look at that. They don't care what it looks like. They don't care what anybody thinks. They're just, and that's what some of this is. This right here, this, I'm just going to raise a hallelujah. We just, we sang that form of worship, you know, today. Some are dancing before the Lord, like a little child just excited, and look, they're just overwhelmed. This one is just about playing an instrument before God. I'm just, I want to glorify him with the talent he's given me to play a guitar, to play the drums or the keyboard, whatever it is. And I just, I'm expressing my love for God. There is a word where it's like, okay, I've come into this place. I've said, God, I just want to be with you, and I want you to give me something new. A new song. I come with no lyric. I just come with a heart to express. I come with my guitar. This is what song leaders, worship leaders do very well. They begin to create new expressions. They just play some chords until they find something. They're like, wow, I like that. And they begin to write words of expression. All of our new songs come because God has given some a gift to begin to fully express with a new thought, with a new word. You know, with, with a new rhythm, something that God is doing. All of these, hands lifted, shouting, knees bowing, thanksgiving. All of these are just different expressions to God. Go and study it if you want. Learn how different people worship God. If I'm just talking about worship, there's a lot of different expressions. And there are different postures. There are different things that people did. I've already talked about these. Clap your hands. It's clap your hands into the Lord if that's what's inside your heart, right? And there are some who are raising their hands. They're just like, like a little child who runs to their mom, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. Sometimes it was because people were scared. Sometimes they were so overwhelmed in what God did, they just wanted to raise their hand and express thanksgiving. Bowing down, Psalm 95. And this was, Isaiah did this. He's like, you know, John did it in Revelation. I fell at his feet as a dead man. Isaiah said, I put my face in the ground and I couldn't even speak the words. And, and, and God said, lift, up, lift your face. When he was in the presence of the angel of the Lord. And, and God had to give him strength to stand, just bowing down. And shouting. And, and, some, and shouting takes two forms. It's like, woo! It's like so excited, right? Like you're at your favorite team is winning or just scored a touchdown, right? And you're just shouting it out, but it's for God. It's not for your favorite team. Sometimes this is all about crying out to the Lord, God, help me. I help me. I don't know what to do. It just shows it's just all pouring out to God and dancing like a child. 
And speaking of dancing, there's, I mean, if I'm just talking about worship, here are different times, and I just pulled out different ways that worship showed itself in the Bible. This one is about David dancing before the ark. Second Samuel will talk about how the, the ark of the covenant was removed from God's people, and they went, David took a, a, a group, and they went to Abinadab's house to pick back up the ark, to bring it back. They built a new cart. They're bringing it in. There was an event that happened that really scared David and everybody because of the irreverence of transport. They didn't bring enough reverence into the transporting of the ark. And so David put it over to a house, caught his breath, saw that they were blessed. And then they're bringing it into, the, into Jerusalem. And here's David going before the cart. He is so excited because the ark of the covenant represented God. God is coming back into our midst. He was so excited. He was jumping up and down and he was dancing. And the more he danced, the more he sweat. And he's just started taking his clothes off. And he's taking off his robe, you know, and he's taking off his and the other garment. And he gets all the way down to nearly nothing. And he doesn't, he, he doesn't care. He's just dancing before the Lord. He's not trying to be vulgar. He's not trying to draw attention to himself. And as they're coming into the city, his wife is watching out the window of the palace. And the Bible said that her heart just turned against him. She, the Bible says, despised him. And he kept worshiping and led it all the way downtown, offered sacrifices for the people, thanked God, praised God, were singing, blessed all the people. Then he went home to bless his household. And when he did, his wife greeted him, and she's like, my, you embarrassed yourself today in front of everybody. And they had a conversation. He's like, I, what I do before God, I do before God. I'm not, my worship is not meant to satisfy you. I don't get approval from you as to how I worship God. You'll have to decide that for yourself. These are my words, not each other. I'll decide it for myself. You'll decide it for yourself. But we all have to decide, how am I going to worship God? And David danced before God, and God loved it. Abraham offering Isaac. Remember that? This was a form of worship where God asked Abraham to go up and offer a sacrifice and to, and to do this act of worship before him. And he's like, well, where's the sacrifice? And God says, yeah, I'll provide it. They get up to the top, and then God says, I want you to give your son, sacrifice your son. Abraham has a conversation with Isaac, and Isaac willingly got up on the altar to offer his life to God. Now, we're listening to that, and if you're reading that story for the first time, you're like, whoa, why would God ask any man to sacrifice his son? This is what I want you to remember. God knows Abraham's heart. And he's letting Abraham know, and Abraham is letting us know. The father, the first man God chose to build a family of God was Abraham. We call him the father of the faithful. And the first man God chose to show us, demonstrate before us how to follow God is wholeheartedly, even if it means you sacrifice your life or you sacrifice your son's life. I follow God wholeheartedly. And God didn't let him offer his son. Right? He didn't. He provided another sacrifice and they praise God. But how do you worship God? Wholeheartedly. I'm willing to give up everything if that's what I need to, whatever it is, God, that you're calling me to do. A widow giving two mites. Jesus is sitting by the temple with his apostles and they're just watching people and there, were, there was this line of people coming and they were just giving money into the temple treasury. 
And they were reaching into their bag and they were giving money. And this all of a sudden, this widow walks up and gives two copper coins and puts them in and walks away. And Jesus is like, hey, did you see that? Did you see what she did? And they're like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people giving. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that woman gave everything she had. That was her money to live on. And she gave everything she had. Others are giving a lot, but they're giving a lot out of a big bucket. She gave everything she had in her only bucket. And he was so delighted with that offering. We don't know the rest of the story, but I know how God is generous to those who are generous to him. Amen? And then a woman anoints Jesus' feet. If you remember this story, the Bible says there was this woman who was a sinner in her town and everybody knew it. And there was a big party. A Pharisee invited Jesus over. And Jesus is at the house. And he's reclining at a table and they would lay on one side and their feet would come out behind them. And all of a sudden, this woman who was not invited to the party walked in came behind Jesus, and the room goes quiet, and she can't stop crying. And she, her tears fall all over his feet, and she tries to wipe them with her hair as she takes this alabaster jar of perfume and just anoints his feet. And all of a sudden, Simon and the others in the house were like, can you believe that? Who invited her here? I would have never invited her here. Well, if Jesus was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is, and he would never let her touch him like that. Well, Jesus knew what they were saying. He could tell their thoughts. And he said, hey, Simon, let me ask you a question. Two people owe a money lender money. One owes a little, one owes a lot. Neither of them can pay him back, so he just forgives both debts. Who do you think is more grateful that their debt was forgiven? And Simon says, well, I guess the one who owed the most. And Jesus said, since I came into your house, you didn't wash my feet. You honored me in no way. You didn't kiss my cheek. You didn't do anything but try to trap me with a different kind of a heart. But when this woman walked in, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet and wetting them and anointing them with her alabaster jar. She knows she has sinned a lot. And he said to her, Lady, dear lady, your sins, which are many, are all forgiven. All right? Just worship. Just, I know how sinful I am. And it makes me bow my feet to the ground. I can't stop crying. And God honors that worship. This man who was crippled in Acts chapter 3 they would take him by this gate called Beautiful every morning, and he would just ask, beg people for money. And Peter and John were walking by, and he asked them for money, and they stopped. They looked at him, and they said, look at us. They said, we don't have any silver, wood, and gold. We don't have any money to give you. But what we do have, we'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And they reached down to help him. And the Bible says immediately his ankles and his legs were strengthened, and he jumped up. And he starts praising God. He's jumping up and down with his new legs. He is so excited. He's following them into the temple. Everybody's looking at him like, is that the guy that was by the gate? Are you, what, what, what happened? And this guy can't stop praising God. Maybe that's 
how you worship best. You're in a moment so overwhelming. You know how badly you need God. And he comes in and does something for you you never could have done for yourself. And it leads you to this place of worship. So where are you when it comes to worship and how you worship? See, I just believe worship is easier experienced than explained. I mean, if I'm just talking about worship, I don't know how to do it justice. But I do believe there are events in our life that lead us to learn how to worship. Think back. Here's just a question for you. I want you to think back to a time when you really poured out your heart in worship. And was there a preceding event? So just pause for a minute. Now, there may may be those who are are in here who never really poured out your heart in worship. You've never really had this experience. Okay. Well, so I just want to begin to lead you into how do I do that? For those of you who have been around a while, you know, maybe there was an event, something that happened in your life that really turned you to worship. Can you think of one? Can you think of something that happened and you just poured out your heart? Maybe it was... When you were bedside, offering up a prayer because you did not know what was going to happen next. Maybe you're looking at your finances and you don't know what's, and it's just, maybe God did something for you and all you want to do is rejoice. So I asked some different people this question, and I was talking with Savannah, and Savannah said, you know what, I remember exactly where I was. And she said, I was, 2013, I went to this uh, uh, this little conference, this little weekly that they think called Move with the teenagers. And uh, she was a young teenager. Anyway, she went there and she was not a Christian yet. And she's like, so I'm going to Move. There are a thousand people there. It's a week-long thing where you have Bible studies and class and you have all this evening worship. She said, we were in the middle of worship and everybody around me was pouring their hearts out. They were raising their hands. They were worshiping. She said, and I'm looking around and, and I'm not doing any of it. And she said, what is wrong with me? Something's got to be wrong with me because I don't feel what they're feeling. I don't, I'm not, I, I don't know how to worship. And she said, it really bothered me, but it started me on this journey. She said, I got to evaluate. She said, I thought, you know, my life is good. I really don't need anything. My grades are good. I, I act like a good girl. I do the right thing all the time. She said, I didn't even really know why I needed Jesus. And she said, but then in 2014, I became a Christian. And then she said, I want you to fast forward to 2019. She went as a chaperone back with the teenagers back to move just two years ago. And she said, we were walking out of a worship event. And as I'm walking out, all of a sudden, this lady grabbed my arm. And she said, I stopped and I turned. And she looked at me and she said, I just want you to know, I loved watching you worship. And she said, I thought, oh, I did it. <laughs> I, I made it. I've, and she said, it was a journey where she started with, I don't know how to worship God at all. But then I had a passion to get to know Jesus and to have these encounters with him. And she said, now, six years later, in 2019, you know, someone came to her in that same place and said, I love watching you worship. Well, what kind of journey is God going to take you on? What is worship going to look like for you? There is a couple who are good friends of mine and my wife's. We're in a small group with them. Their names are Gary and Sarah. And they've given me permission also to share this story with you. Sarah's father's name is Lee. Uh, I love Lee. He has walked with God a long time. 
and I would go over to his house and sit and and uh, the, when we first started meeting, I would share stuff and he would share stuff and he just gave me these wonderful insights. And then his health got to the point to where he had a hard time remembering things. And so I would just open up the Bible and start at the beginning of a book like James and I would just start reading and he would interrupt me whenever God would give him a thought and I'd just listen to whatever came out of his mouth. And every time he asked me to share something with you, I did it because he speaks with wisdom. Hospice was called in this past week for Lee. And he knows that he has now reached this stage in his life where unless God intervenes, he has entered the last mile of the way. Unless, unless God just intervenes, he knows. It's, it's not going to be long and I'm going to be face to face with Jesus. And I asked him how he was doing and, and he shared with me how he was physically doing and then he said, this is how he speaks, Rick, you need to tell the church something. I said, okay. He said, tell them to prepare their hearts to meet with God. As a pure bride before the Father, prepare to purify your hearts to meet with God. He knows his time on this earth is shorter now. And even though he's eager to come face to face with God, he said, I've been pouring out many tears with my wife because we're not good being separated from each other. He knows he's about to see God face to face and he's preparing his heart. And he wants you to prepare yours. His heart turned toward you. And knowing that that's what he is about to experience, he wants me to tell you, don't miss heaven. And then he was real quick to tell me, Rick, this is not your job. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He will take your nastiness, your flaws and your dirtiness, and he will purify them so that you can stand before God for eternity and praise his name. I hope you hear and receive that message. That's the work of God. And that's what we're all on this journey to do. Personal events, this is just an observation for me, personal events can usher in worship and the more we worship the more we're transformed from the inside out and so I pray that the events of your life will lead you to worship and the more you worship the more transformation you'll see in the name of Jesus Christ and so I was talking to a couple who uh, went to a Francis Chan deal where he's now teaching people how to worship at home if you've never done this and Rick where do I start let me just give you one idea as the worship team prepares they said, you know, we sat down and we're trying to learn how to do this. And, and uh, they got this instruction from Francis Chan who said, you know what I would encourage you to do? Just go get in the house and get a small group. Just 10, 15, 20, 25 people just gather in a room with no agenda. Allow yourself two to three hours and just say, you know what? We're going to spend some time in worship. 
And I haven't prepared a message. We haven't prepared any music. We're just going to spend time worshiping. If you have a song, you can sing it. There's a guitar over there or a keyboard. If someone of you know how to play, then go play. If you have a verse of scripture, share it. If you want to bow your head and pray, just pray. And this guy named Casey who was telling me about this event, he said, it was the best time in worship I have ever had. It was awkward at first because nobody knew what to do. And then somebody said, "Uh, I'll open us up in prayer. And they just prayed. And then somebody said, well, I got this verse of scripture. Can I read it to you? And they just read that scripture. And then somebody said, my life is falling apart. And I don't know what to do. And the next thing you know, two hours went by and all of us are just pouring our heart out in worship. Start there. And let's learn how to worship God with all our heart. So Horatio Sapford was a businessman in Chicago. And he had a bunch of property In the 1800s, 1870s, the great fire of Chicago destroyed all of his property and he lost everything overnight. He tried to build it back and had a bunch of stuff going on as he's trying to arrange his finances. His family decided to go on a vacation to England. As they're boarding the ship to go to England, he gets news. He has to go back into town and take care of some business. His wife and four daughters get on this boat And on the journey over, an iron vessel rammed into them. The vessel sank, and he lost all four of his daughters. Only his wife survived. She gets to the other side and sends back a telegram that just simply read, Saved alone. What shall I do? So he gets on the next boat, and he talks to the captain. Show me the place where the boat sank. Show me the place where my daughters drowned. And when they got to that place, the captain showed him, this is where it sank, and this is where your children were lost. And he wrote the words to this song. When peace like a Away. 
I pray that you will find this place with God where you'll let him overwhelm your heart and lead you to pour out your praises to him in adoration for what he has done for you. Can we pray?